Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here. Listen, we're excited about what God is going to do in this time together. I want you to pay attention to this message that the Lord has laid on my heart. I believe it's going to bring life and strength to you today. I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Receive this word today. Take your Bible, open it please quickly to the book of Luke 24 while you're standing. Put your finger on Luke 24. Put another finger on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For a few moments this morning, I want to preach the word of the Lord on Resurrection Sunday. I told all the preachers yesterday, don't try to get cute on Resurrection Sunday. Just preach the gospel. Today I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 24 verse 1. And I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today I'm going to preach a unique kind of thing on Easter for me. This would be a unique and different kind of message, but it's what God gave me for the house and for the people of God who will watch it later this week. I want to preach about the pathology of the body of Christ. The pathology of the body of Christ. Luke 24 verse 1, when you have it, say amen. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away. How many know this is good news here? The stone was rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. That is not funny. What is talking to me? I bind this Siri devil. So why don't you use technology? It's okay. For, <laughs> Uh, my ADD, Lord, help me here. Just re recover. I got this. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Here we go. Now. Somebody say now. now. Say now. Say right now. In this moment, say right now. We are the body of Christ. Right now, we are I feel like we need to say that and get that in our spirit. Come on, say we. Say right now. We are the body of Christ. And that's what I want to preach about today, the pathology of the body of Christ. Help me, Father, help them to receive the word. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning is a unique morning because I feel compelled to share the role of preacher and pathologist. And most of you know that in the medical field, there is a branch of medicine called pathology. And in the branch of medicine called pathology, pathologists are dedicated to the examination of the tissues of the body. And they gather these samples of tissues in the body to diagnose. It's a tool of diagnostic examination for the purpose 
of forensic use. They're trying to find out uh, the, 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 the makeup and the structure of a particular mass of, of cells in the body. You may have known someone or perhaps you yourself had a tumor or a cyst at some point in time and a surgeon had to remove it, but before he removed it, a pathologist got involved to determine what it was. And today I, I felt like God was laying on my heart and I, 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 I'm in a moment, I don't know if you feel this, but we're in a moment in our generation where I think there is some confusion uh, about the body of Christ. Not that the word is confusing, not that God is confused, but there are some people who call themselves the body of Christ that when you take a closer look at the cells and the DNA of that which calls itself the body under a microscope, it doesn't stand up to the test of pathology. It doesn't pass the test of the body of Christ. And I want you to know today, just because you go to a church, I'm thankful you're here and maybe you're watching online, but, but, but just being churchy doesn't mean you're part of the body. And I told you at the beginning of this year, I felt like God told me in prayer at the end of 2020 that the greatest harvest we would experience in the first quarter of 2021 is people who are in the church who get saved thinking they had been saved all their life. You can actually come to church and think that just because you are coming to a building that you are part of the body of Christ. But I want you to know today that when you, when you, place, our, when you place your life, when we place our lives up under the microscope of the word of God, how many know that we don't reduce the truth of God to accommodate um, our compromise and, and, and we don't preach grace as a license to sin and we don't tell everybody when you got saved, you know, uh, uh, you just keep living like you're living. No, when you get truly born again, there is a change in your life and, and, and your life will pass the test. It'll pass the pathology report, the examination, as it were, of, of those who belong to the body of Christ, say the body of Christ. This is interesting to me, this term, the body of Christ, because you don't find that term until you flip out of the gospels and into the epistles. Throughout the, the gospels, it's not the body of Christ, it is the body of Jesus. In fact, in the scripture that I read to you this morning, the Bible says that the women came to the tomb looking for the, looking for the Lord and they found not, watch, the body of Jesus. This is important because when we say Jesus Christ, if you're not careful, you'll believe that Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name. But it was not Jesus Christ, his first and last name. Jesus himself in the flesh was the Son of God incarnate. When we say the body of Jesus, we are talking about that 33-year-old tent made of skin that was born through the womb of a virgin named Mary. He came in the likeness, Romans said, of sinful flesh. I believe God wrapped himself in a real human body and we call him Jesus. The angel said, to Mary, his name will be called Jesus because he will save the world from their sins. There's something about the tangible, physical, natural, fleshly, but God came in the flesh. 
God did not just come in the spirit. And you better get this right because John, uh, uh, the revelator, John the apostle, wrote over and over to the people of God that that false teachers went out through the world telling people that Jesus didn't come in the actual flesh. They said he was a spirit being. But how many know he can't save me if he's just a spirit being because we needed a lamb and Jesus came in the flesh. But there is a transition that happens. After he dies and they put him in the tomb as the body of Jesus, he rises as the body of of Christ. He was Jesus in this natural suit of clothing, but the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are the body of Christ. Is Jesus and Christ the same person? Absolutely. But I want you to understand that what Jesus was in the natural, physical, tangible body, we have become as what some theologians call the mystical body of Christ. Christ walking the breadth and the width of this earth, not one of us, but all of us, united and gathered together in spirit. We are the body of Christ in the earth. And I want to tell you, you and I do not have the permission to look at the life of Jesus and then to recreate the life of Christ and make it as we want it to be. If we are the body of Christ, then we ought to be following the model set forth by the man Christ Jesus. There ought to be something, there's qualities and activities going on in us that will reflect. Let me say it like this. If you can't find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the life of Jesus, then you ought not be parading around America and the nations of the earth talking about we are the body of Christ acting in ways that are contrary to the man Jesus acted in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are some people trying to recreate and rewrite and reshape history by painting the body of Christ just as some social organization and some kind of movement on the earth. No, listen to me. This is not just social. This is not just physical. This is not just natural. We are a spirit people that have been birthed by the spirit of God. And I don't care where you came from and I don't care what, you, what name you were born from, what pedigree you came out of, what color your skin is, where you are on the socioeconomic ladder of life. You are not simply identified by your natural, uh, the, 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 the skin and the natural uh, presence that you have here. You and I, if we are in Christ, are one in the spirit and we together collectively are the body of Christ. And when I put this thing under the microscope and I began to, 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 to search this, this issue of the tissue of the body of Christ in our generation, there's some things that I want to make sure you and I understand. These are very simple. This is not yet necessarily profound except that we don't preach it sometimes. And when we don't fill in the blanks with truth, how many know Satan is busy writing his own story? And so what I want to do is make sure we have the record straight this morning as we look at the truth and the reality as presented in the scriptures of the body of Christ. Uh, this person of Jesus, this, this poetic metaphor as it was, as he was in the earth, 1 John chapter 3, as he was in the earth, so are we in this world. Did you, did you catch that? As Jesus was in the earth, so I'm getting ready to walk around here. 
as he was in this earth, so are we in this world. And that doesn't mean we get to bring him down to our level and make him our homeboy and he doesn't become he doesn't become our soapbox emblem that helps us vent. No, no, no. We come up to where he is recognizing that he operates from a high level of authority. He is the head of the church. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And instead of us being able to reduce him down to, 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 to our level, he pulls us up by his spirit into realms that we never had access to before and this is why the world is not changing yet it's because we're not walking in a full revelation of the measure of the stature that is accessible and available in Christ but I came to tell you a spirit of wisdom and revelation is settling down on the body and we will no longer be defined by the stereotypes that this world is attempting to define us by I'll touch somebody tell them we're breaking out of that we got to break out of that because the world is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. So when I examine the body and I look at the tissues of this, of this thing that we call the body of Christ, I want to make sure that the body of Christ is acting and is living as Jesus in his body lived on the earth. Number one, my pathology report begins with this fact. If it is the body of Christ, it is breathing. So simple. But you would, amaze, you would be amazed at how many people call themselves the body of Christ and are twice dead. Oh, you know I'm telling the truth. And ain't nobody wants to talk about this on Easter Sunday morning. This is the Sunday when we come and we get, yeah, your best life now. You getting ready to live. No, let me fix something. Let, let's just address something in the room right now. You can't be dead all your life and call yourself connected to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is breathing. There is some life and vitality to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not a dead organization or a monument. It is an organism that is moving. And I'm telling you that living things have activity. Not just busyness, but activity and fruit. Um, if you go to the book of Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, you will find a, a good prophet. God wasn't picking on Ezekiel when he dropped him off in a valley. The Bible said that God put Ezekiel in an open valley. I'm glad it wasn't a closed valley. He put him in an open valley full of bones. Don't miss it. The Bible said that the bones were laying all scattered out in the valley. Uh-huh. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, you know this story. He said, prophesy and speak to the bones, son of man. He said, can they live? And the prophet responded to the Lord. Anytime God asks you a question, it's not because you have information he needs from you. God asked the prophet the question, can these bones live to determine the barometer and the, the temperature of the prophet's faith? God is asking us a question in this hour, not because we are wise and he is ignorant of the fact. He wants to see, do my people believe that even in light of hell breaking loose and a virus hitting the nations and craziness happening in the earth and all kind of foolishness happening in our nation, he wants to know, do a prophetic company of people still believe bones can live 
Jesus, help me teach today. I want to tell you that bones can live. And the issue is not can they live. The issue is will prophetic people get pregnant with the word from the Lord and speak to stuff that don't have ears. Sometimes you got to talk to what don't want to listen. Sometimes you got to talk that doesn't want anything to do with what you have to say. But when you declare the word of the Lord, God told the prophet Isaiah, my word will never come back void. Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. Don't worry about what it's going to take to get it done. If I ever said it, my word won't come back knocking on the door of heaven saying, we don't know how to do this. If God said it, he'll bring it to pass. Speak the word. Watch this. Bones. Everybody say breathing. Say breathing. The body of Christ is breathing. If it ain't breathing, it ain't the body of Christ. They had bones in the valley. The bones separated. Watch this. And the Bible said that he prophesied. Suddenly the wind began to blow. And when the wind began to blow, two things happened. A shaking occurred and a sound was made in the valley. What was the sound? The sound was the coming together of bones. Don't miss it. Bone came to bone. Hip bone got connected to the leg bone. And the leg bone got connected to the backbone. Come on in here. And the Methodist church got connected to the Baptist church. And the Church of God church got connected to the Assembly of God church. And the non-denominational church got, oh, let me preach a little longer on Easter. And the black church got connected to the white church. And the Latino church got connected to the Chinese church. You can't go searching for your kind of bones that connect your bones together. That ain't the body of Christ. The body of Christ is me and you and us and them and all of us who became one at the foot of a cross by the Holy Ghost. Preaching. The bone became, the bone came together. Watch this. And then don't miss it. You got the structure. But then you, you put muscle on top of the bone. Because, watch this, if it's the body, the body has to have structure. But structure alone is not the body of Christ. So the Bible said when the bones came together, muscle came upon the bone. Why? Because every church not only needs structure, it needs ministry. Muscle, it's the, that's how we get something done. Muscle is the work. That's why we need everybody, all hands on deck, lifting this thing. We got to get something done. But it wasn't just structure. And it wasn't just muscle. It was skin. Because if all you got is structure and muscle and you don't have any skin, the cover this is why some people never become what they're called to be in Christ they never get covered they're lone rangers running around from here to there and they never submitted their life to a local church and they don't have an apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher in their life and they're lone rangers all by themselves but you'll never you will never outgrow your covering and if you don't have one you are uncovered we have structure, we have muscle, we have skin, but we have a problem. We have a body with no breath. This is what makes a local church grow. It's not just the structure and the muscle and the skin that covers. You can have all of it put together, but if the Holy Ghost ain't in the house, there's no life in the church. I know some of y'all get squeamish when we say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And some of you say, I didn't raise myself in that denomination. Let me go around here and preach. That's because the Holy Ghost is not a denomination. And the Holy Spirit is not a branch of Christianity. And the Holy Ghost is not a flavor of the month. You can't be the people of God without the Holy Ghost. Slap somebody tell them I need the Holy Ghost. 
Whether you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven, I need the Holy Ghost to go down to the KW store and get gas out of the gas machine. I need the Holy Ghost to go to Piggly Wiggly. I need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. I need the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night when my babies are sick and they cannot die. I need the Holy Ghost. And what we have in the church, if we're not careful, we will create a template of a breathless body of Christ. Where we come and sing two fast songs and two slow songs and a six foot false prophet will stand up like a popsicle and preach two points and a poem and then we'll get everybody out in a hurry and we'll call that the move of God. The devil is a liar. Jesus did not come so that we could prance our way into church one hour late, leave one hour early, come in at 10 sharp and leave at 11 dull and call that the move of God. Where are the people that turn the world upside down? God, give us the Holy Ghost. The, the body of Christ has breath. Where did our breath come from? Oh, it's his breath in our lungs. So we pour out praise. Let me tell you right now, if you ever got guilted into a praise, take it back. If anybody had to talk you into a praise, take it back. If you felt bad after you gave it, take it back. Don't ever give God a praise that you had to be talked into and persuaded into. Honey, I praised him this morning like I lost my mind because in September, I thought I was going to die. And the devil told me I'd never see my children graduate high school. And I'm here with my nice blue suit and my brand new shoes on Resurrection Sunday. And if you think your cute self is going to intimidate me into just... Oh no, I came to bless him today When I think about the goodness of the Lord And how good he's been to me It's his breath in my lungs And I'll pour out a praise Anybody got a praise to give him, give it to him right now Sit down, I gotta go If it's the body of Christ It's breathing If it's not breathing It's not the body Number two Three little points here, and I'm going to be out your way. Number two, if it's broken, it's not the body. Now, let me give you some scriptures here. John chapter 19, verses 31 through 34, the Bible says this. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Roman soldier came to Jesus to break his legs. Why would the Roman soldier come to Jesus to break his legs? It was a very common practice in the form of crucifixion that when a man or woman was crucified, they broke their legs in the process of the crucifixion so that the strength of their legs would be broken and their body would sag, thus putting more pressure on the respiratory system and expediting the process of death. They broke their legs to make sure they died. But your Bible says in the book of John 19, 31 through 34, when they got to Jesus, they did not break his legs because he was already dead. Now, the Roman soldiers thought that they were not breaking his legs simply because he was already dead. What they didn't know is they couldn't break his legs. If he were really the Lamb of God, nobody could break his legs because the Bible said in Exodus chapter 14, verse 24, that the Passover lamb could not have a broken bone. Jesus, I feel like teaching. 
If it ever had a broken bone, it could not be the Passover lamb. Had the Roman soldiers broke the knees or the legs of Jesus, he would not have been the Lamb of God. And while that is a physical fact, it carries a spiritual connotation. Not only could I not break his legs because it was a prophetic, a prophetic fact that the Passover lamb could not have a broken bone, the reason why the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, could not have a broken bone is because had they broken his bone, it would have permitted us to live as a broken body. There is a demonic assignment against the church of our generation. Y'all better buckle up because I'm about to tick some people off here. This mess that we're courting, I preached a couple weeks ago about unity. Everybody say unity. There is no unity that does not begin and gather at the foot of Calvary. Let's all, let's all get in unity. You better be careful with that. If it doesn't start with Jesus and his truth, it ain't true unity. True unity can never be accomplished or arrived at until we all agree on the person of Jesus. Now, I love every other person that's caught up in every other religion, but I cannot sit down in my conscience, hold hands with a pluralistic society, sing kumbaya at the altar of every other so-called God and call that the kingdom of God. There is only one way into this kingdom. It is through the man Christ Jesus. You say, Pastor, that is so nasty. I said that with the sweetest smile. I ain't mad at nobody, but I will not stand up here and act as if there are multiple entry points into the kingdom of God when the Bible is clear that there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we are saved. It is the name of Jesus. And if you can sit in a building and then preach every other way into the kingdom and nobody preach Jesus and repentance, if you can be in that kind of environment and not feel convicted, something is wrong. If you're in a church and you're watching me online and nobody's preaching Christ and nobody's talking about repentance and nobody's getting saved and everybody, oh God, don't do this to me on Easter, and everybody in that building is chasing somebody else Put your Reeboks on and run. If you can live in sin and be comfortable, run. Get out of the building now because God is in the business of bringing his body together in Christ. In Christ. And what I'm afraid of right now in this day and time is that people are promoting a brokenness in the body. They are preaching a permission to divide the body. Church history has been littered and filled with people who sabotage the agenda and the purpose of Christ's coming with their own racial motivations and their own hate and their own malice. I'm telling you in our generation, there is an assignment to divide the people of God. I've been preaching on this for 10 years. I preached on it before it started happening and God was giving us a prophetic indication to be prepared for the moment we are living in. Preach Christ. Preach his body. 
The beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that no matter where you came from, no matter what you have or don't have, no matter what color your skin, no matter where you came up in a socioeconomic place on the ladder, it don't, none of that matters. If you come to Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, we are all one in him. I declare war on everything trying to break me and you up. I'm not getting no help in here. I defy and declare war Pasha, on every demon spirit that has been assigned to bring fissures and breaks and cracks and isms and schisms in the body of Christ. There is not a demon big enough to overcome the prayer of our Lord that he prayed in John 17 as he rode into Jerusalem and beheld it through the eyes of tears. He said, Father, make them one as you and I are one that the world may believe. No reason the world doesn't want anything to do with Christianity when the people who name the name of Christ are as crazy and hateful in many instances as the people in the world. If you've been saved, act like it. Love people. Overcome your prejudice. Get your racism washed in the blood. Get the hate and the malice and revenge out of your heart. Get saved. Why do you got to holler? Because somebody needs to hear me. We are living in the moment of the coming of the Lord and he's not coming back after a divided, broken church. We will be one in the spirit. I'm almost through. Let's take a 10 second praise break right here. Somebody help me praise the Lord that a move of God is coming to the nation that's gonna heal what the devil tried to break apart. I feel the goodness of God in Chattanooga. Somebody take five more seconds and praise him. I'm telling you, the devil's overplayed his hand. His days are numbered. In the last day, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tune me up, yeah, yeah. I'm almost done. But the Bible says... Not only does the body of Christ have breath, not only is it not broken, but third and finally, as I complete my pathology report of the body of Christ, if it's buried, it's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not buried. Lean over and tell your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor. Say, on this Resurrection Sunday, say, I came to remind you that he got up. He got up. 
the body of Christ got up. Death couldn't hold him, and the grave could not stop him. Pilate couldn't get the blood off of his hands. The cross tried to kill him. Demons howled and rejoiced. But Luke 24 said, early I feel like preaching today. Early on that Sunday morning, Mary came to the tomb. She came with spices to anoint the stench of his body. But two angels dressed in white looked at the women and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not buried anymore. He has risen. Somebody shout, yeah. We got to go eat Easter ham, but tell three people in your zip code, tell them he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. It's not that he didn't die. It's just that he got back up from the dead. If it's buried, it can't be the body of Christ because the body of Jesus got up from the dead. Oh. Here's what that means. We, Lord have mercy. Here's what that means. It means if he got up, I'm getting up too. Now I want to be clear. The primary implication of the resurrection of Jesus is that when you were planted and buried with him in the likeness of his death, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 4, you were also raised into newness of life just as he was raised. This is why we do water baptism next Sunday because we take you under as a sign that you died. But if we left you under, bubbles would start coming up. You got, come on, tell somebody you got to come back up out of this. You don't stay buried underwater. You don't stay buried under condemnation. You don't stay buried under shame. Some of y'all came in here and you don't even go to church because you're so ashamed of what you did in your past. I came to tell you that if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Yet. Look at somebody tell them you ain't buried anymore. You can't be buried anymore. The body of Christ didn't stay buried. The body of Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. Hold on a minute. Do you understand? This is precisely why Joseph gave them a borrowed tomb. It was just a VRBO. It was just an Airbnb. He wasn't gonna stay for eternity. Come on in here, family. I just need it for the weekend. Uh, I better quit it because I feel like something getting ready to happen. I just need it for a couple of days. I need a place to plant this body. But don't worry, Joseph. I'm going to give it back to you on Sunday. I don't need it for eternity. Now, you can go to Buddha's tomb and rub his beard. You can go to Allah's tomb and rub his whiskers. But if I take you to Jerusalem, I'll walk you in the room where they laid our Lord. But I got news. Oh, do I have news? I got news for you on this Sunday. He is not buried in a tomb. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, 
building this morning. We gotta go, but I came to tell you, you will not stay buried if you are in Christ. Stand with me, I'm through preaching. They buried him in a tomb. But the more I got to thinking about this, religion would tell you they buried him. Faith would tell me they planted him. There's a difference between being buried and planted. Come on in here. You might bury something. Come on, my dog. Dig a hole in my backyard and bury a bone just because he don't want the other dog to get the, the bone. Bury it. But when you plant it, it looks the same as burial. It's just the person who sowed it knows that the seed that's being buried is being planted for a future purpose. And you say, Pastor, you got some scripture for that? Oh yeah, John chapter 14, unless a kernel fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it ever gets sowed into the ground, when it dies, it starts producing more after its kind. What's the point? The point is, if you bury it, uh, if you bury it, you forget about it, and it has no future if you plant it. Even though it's not breaking through yet, roots are growing and it has a future. And I just want to tell you, three days after they planted Jesus, he shot through the end of that tomb and came out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave as a prophetic announcement. Not just that the Holy Ghost would raise him from the dead, but that the Holy Ghost would raise every one of us from spiritual death. Watch and even from death itself. How many got some loved ones who've gone on to heaven? Come on, I know, I know some people don't like to talk about this no more because uh, we're kingdom people. I'm telling you right now, no greater promise in the kingdom that those who died in the Lord, we will see again. Aunt, Aunt Gertrude, Mama and them, Grandmama and them, great-grandmama and them, they lowered those bodies down into the ground. If you're not careful, religion will tell you they're buried. But faith will tell you they've been planted. And one day, <laughs> yeah, one day, that which we planted in the Lord is going to hear a trumpet sound. You say, Pastor, is this going to work? I don't know. Ask Lazarus, who was dead for four days. But when he heard the voice of the resurrection and the life, grave clothes couldn't hold him down. Four-day death sentences couldn't keep him back. When he heard the voice of Jesus, he began to shake and move. All of a sudden, they rolled the stone out, and here came Lazarus bound in grave clothes. Can I tell you when the trumpet sounds according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible said, Beloved, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. For in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, for the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. And we who are, did you hear what I just said? 
said, the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise. Wait a minute, we put them six feet under. Yeah, but something's getting ready to happen. When they hear a trumpet sound, you're going to find out it wasn't buried, it was planted. And we went in in corruption, but we're coming out incorrupt. We went in mortal, but we're coming out immortal. And I just want to remind you, we're going to see him again. How powerful is Jesus? How powerful is the gospel that even death itself is going to lose its sting? It's going to lose its sting. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave, where is thy sting? We are a company of living people. Even beyond the grave, we will yet live. Can you handle that? I said, even beyond the grave, we will yet live. I believe in eternal life. I don't believe in just 80 years of life. I believe in eternal life. Lord, I got some hymns, old hymns running through my mind right now. If I take off on these hymns, we'll have chapter two of this service. Y'all don't want me to start. I'm just telling you, he's coming back. And I'm telling you why he tarries in his coming, his body is a living body. It's a whole body, it's not broken. You better stop letting Fox News and CNN and every other end ANN, ONN, whoever, MSN, whatever. You better stop letting, stop letting them determine the narrative you're going to believe. I've told this dream several times. I've, all morning long, I felt the Lord messing with me about it, and I didn't know where I was going in this. Somebody needs to hear this for the first time. I don't do dreams all the time. This dream shook me to my core. Seven years ago, I had a dream in my house. There were three terrorists laying in my bed. They were all asleep, and I walked into my bedroom. They were sleeping in my bed under the covers. And I was going in my bedroom where my guns are. You say, you believe in guns? All of them. All of them. You understand what I'm saying? Second Amendment right here. I believe. I was going, I know right where my guns are. I went to get my gun because you said, what was you going to do in the dream? I was going to protect my family. Uh, Y'all can't handle this. I, I feel the tension. You don't break in, it won't be a problem. I was going to my gun safe. And I walked past an old black and white television on my nightstand. I don't own a black and white television in my real bedroom, but in the dream it was there. When I passed the television, Ted Koppel came on in black and white, and he said, good evening, America, this is tonight's news. And when that man said that, it woke those three terrorists up in my bed. They raised up out of the bed in the dream and pulled guns out from under the cover and pointed them at me. And I pointed them back. It was not the natural men that I was fighting. The Lord showed me later those three men represent principalities that would be stirred up by the media. 
awakened, I feel the Lord on me right now, awakened by a spirit in the media that would stir up, stir up principalities in this nation. Do you understand in Matthew 24, boy, this ain't in my notes, this is from God. When it says nation will rise against nation, that ain't Venezuela rising up against Guatemala. The word nation in the Greek is ethnos. Ethnicity, rising up against ethnicity. It's a demonic assignment to conquer. I hear you, Lord. Thank you. If the church don't get serious about walking in wholeness, we are going to get exposed by these principalities and powers that have come to do war to rob us of our prophetic voice in our generation. The only group of people on this planet that can heal what is wounded and screwed up and broken are people who have been to the foot of a cross at Calvary and been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to pray right now for the body of Christ. If you are part of the body, I'm going to pray for lost people in just a moment because lost people came today to give their heart to Jesus. But if you want want to be a part of the body that is going to see healing come to our generation. Throw both hands up. Let me pray now. Father, in our generation, I pray for the healing of the ethnicities, the healing of the races, the healing of the different societal groups. If I can even say it, even the healing of, of the colors. God, we need you. Come on, just can we just take two minutes, y'all? It's, it's going to be, we're going to get out way before people down the road. Can we just pray for America right now? They need, she needs the body of Christ. Lord, would you please have mercy on us? Would you send us revival and awakening? Would you revive us again in the midst of our years? Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. I, I, I'm not trying to impose on you. I didn't even do this in first service. Can I just declare something? Some of you don't know this. Maybe some of you heard me teach this, but this is a prophetic thing. When Billy Graham came to Chattanooga in 1952, Billy Graham, if you've ever been to, how many have ever been to Warner Park Zoo? If you're from here, you probably have. There's a great big building over, Warner, over by Warner Park Zoo that was built for the Billy Graham Crusade. It actually outgrew the building that they built. But some men in the city pulled their money together and they built that enormous auditorium for a Billy Graham Crusade in 1952 when he came to Chattanooga. A religious deacon in this city, don't leave, you need to hear this. He put up ropes. And on one side of the ropes were the white people. On the other side of the ropes, right here in Chattanooga, it was called the colored section. Billy Graham walked out on that stage in Chattanooga. It's the first time in his crusade history he did this. He told them, you take that rope down. There will be no ropes in a Billy Graham crusade. They pitched a fit. The religious deacon pitched a fit. He said, we will have ropes. Billy Graham said, I will not walk out on that stage and preach until that rope comes down. 
the rope came down in Chattanooga. I feel the Lord in here right now. And I want to tell you in 1952 it came down and in 2021 it's coming down again. Ropes are coming down. We're not going to live with ropes in the church. We're not going to live with ropes in Chattanooga. We are one in Christ and I prophesy an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That is going here. Say, Pastor, this is a big devil. I know it is. The servant of Elisha had a big devil in 2 Kings. He walked out and saw the enemy surrounding him and Elisha. Servant had a panic attack. Elisha laid his hands on the servant and said, let me pray for you. Because they that are with us are more than they that are with our enemy. You say, Pastor, this is a big devil. I know it is. If the devil's big, God is bigger. If demons have showed up, so did angels. How? Sean, I just declare over your friend. I prophesy over your team. I just believe tonight some ropes are going to come down again. I just believe in Chattanooga tonight, some ropes on Resurrection Sunday. Y'all, this is a divine setup. Go eat your chicken, your ham, your macaroni, whatever, and then get there tonight. It's, what if tonight at 7, ropes just got tore up in Chattanooga? Jesus, the body is breathing, so let us breathe again. The body is not broken, so heal us. The body of Christ is not buried, so raise us up today. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I want to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, he is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area. And if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.